I'm excited about how technology is uh, being democratized, how it's plunging in cost. And we have one of our missions is to positively impact one billion people in the next decade. Ignition sequence start. The relevance of a new technology to solving problems that affect like a billion people. All great stuff happens because someone inspires someone else to do something. The next wave of innovation is going to be eroding the territory. How's it, fellow futurists, thinkers, hackers, and change makers? Welcome to the Exponential Africa podcast. My name is Mick Mann, and I'm the one of the co-organizers of the Singularity U South Africa Summit. And we are bringing you a podcast of the future. Let me welcome in studio Yuri Licht, our creative genius on Singularity. Yuri, how's it? Man, it's great. Uh, it is Friday at the time of recording this podcast. I'm happy to still be in the office and excited for the weekend. Um, most excited. I'm happy we're finally doing this podcast. You I'm and I, so happy we're finally doing this. Yeah, we've been discussing this for ages. So, um, well, what's the point of this podcast, Mr. So Mick? the real point of the podcast is to, is to give the South Africans and Africans the opportunity to hear from some of the greatest experts and leading minds in the world around exponential technologies and around these global grand challenges. So the part of the mission of Singularity University is to educate, empower, and inspire leaders and future leaders to apply exponential technology like robotics or AR or 3D printing. Yeah, and our hashtags futureproof Africa. So, yeah. so yeah. try to how to embrace that and how to use this technology to solve these global grand challenges like uh, governance and disaster resilience. Uh, education, poverty, global health, real, real big issues that are affecting hundreds of millions and billions of people around the world. How do we use technology to solve those things? And and part of our mission is, as in South Africa is to future-proof Africa. And what's cool, you know, we've we had a lot of amazing speakers last year, guys like David Roberts, who talk about leapfrogging all technologies. And according to him and various other experts, we here in Africa seem to be primed to really get further ahead than other people can because we have less legacy and ways of really yeah, I mean, leaping forward. Exactly. I mean, just like the if you look at the, the mobile industry, we, we never had the, the funds to lay down trillions of dollars worth of cable. Instead, we just leapfrogged that and we went straight to mobile in Africa. And Africa is now leading the way in mobile communication. So I guess we should jump in at this point and tell people um, – that recently we got to go to Thailand for their summit. Um, what, what, well, I mean, it was my first time, but you've been going to a few of these. What's, what's the mission for you there at these summits? So what's incredible is that these summits, it's about uh, scalable learning. What we are preaching and what we, are, we have learned from Singularity University is that you need to have this, this agility mindset and you need to be constantly wanting to learn new things. And, and, and it's really about going to understand what people are doing around the world and how can we bring back those learnings to South Africa so that our South African audiences and our African audiences can can benefit from our learnings and we can give them a better experience. So we've actually made our way to Thailand for, for an incredible couple of days where we got to you know, speak to some some of the people that are controlling up to 40% of the GDP of Thailand were, were, were some of the conversations we had, which was pretty incredible. And just the learnings we got from them is amazing. I mean, what, how did you experience it? Well, I have to say, um, last year was a very tense experience for me, putting together the, the summit. Having the opportunity to experience the summit as a person who's a guest is mind-blowing. I get to, um, to take it in a whole new way. I learned a lot. 
They've got amazing technology. They've got amazing ideas. They started some great conversations. And, of course, my favorite thing was getting to hear from all the speakers they brought this time. And what's cool about this mission that we had, I think we wanted to get some of those voices onto our podcast. So who do we get to interview? Well, I mean, we, we, we were lucky enough to, to interview David Roberts, Ramez Nam, Nathaniel Calhoun, uh, Thomas Creasy, who's a VP of, of Community Engagement and for Singularity, and uh, Badana Casalo, who's the International Summit Director. It was really incredible to actually take the time and sit with them and, and discuss these conversations around future-proofing Africa. And that's what's so exciting that we're going to be bringing this back, all this knowledge and these learnings in the form of a podcast now. And just, uh, I mean, I'm sure people are hungry to get to the meat, but let's quickly tell them uh, in 30 seconds, how did you come upon Singularity University and, well, how did you drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak? So I've always been a, a techno-maniac and, and very into techs, you know, since since a child, actually. When I was four years old, I got my first robot. And um, when I was, I was lucky enough to come across this crazy website called Singularity University in around 2010. And then, I, you know, I got to read Ray's book, The Singularity is Near, and uh, just been following them since about 2012 in, in a very passionate way. And we were lucky enough to get the opportunity to work with Singularity University in 2015 when two of the big corporate banks brought them out for one of their closed custom programs for their top, top clients. And, you know, once we, we, we experienced Singularity on that level, it was, we were completely hooked. We could see this is the future and this is, this is the, 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 the way – to make sure that we can – we've always wanted to try and make it an impact in South Africa. As man-made, we're a brand experience agency. How do we create impact? And when we saw Singularity University, we realized this is a real way for us to make real change on the continent. And Positive lo- change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last year, we officially kicked off that journey. We had a massive experience with Expo Elements, with speakers, with digital uh, experiences – And I know that this year we're only going to push that forward. And the only reason we get to do this really is because of our partners. So I know you've got a little bit of of something you want to say about each of them. So so why don't you tell us about our partners? So, yeah, I mean, 100%, Yuri, it it would not be possible this journey without our partners. And we are so grateful and appreciative of our partners and how they've they've respected this whole process and respected the Singularity University journey and, 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 and embracing this mindset. And I want to make special mention of our collaboration partner, Standard Bank. Standard Bank regards Africa as her home and makes sure that she drives her growth. And we are thrilled to have them along this journey with us. We've been building a fantastic relationship and, and we're very excited about the next couple of years. Our global partner, Deloitte, working with the local team has shown us how Deloitte really does live up to the mantra of delivering impact into Africa. And of course, our strategic partners, MTN, SAP, HP and Liberty, have been incredible collaborators. MTN is leading the way in communications, bringing voice and data solutions to over 30 million South Africans alone. SAP Africa, which aims to bring exponential thinking to the employees, partners and customers, will have a profound impact on their organization, South Africa and the rest of the continent. HP is helping customers use technology and leverage innovation to fuel growth in Africa and the world. And finally, Liberty which strongly leverages its years of experience to pioneer new ways to guide people towards financial freedom. I mean, you know, we couldn't have done it without these guys. We just, it's really, really awesome to have them as part of our Absolutely, and I think they'll help me get the best toys, you know, to make sure everybody's having fun. Enough uh, enough talking about all this stuff. I think let's dive right into our first first piece of content that we recorded in Thailand. We invited Ramez Nam to join us in our makeshift studio. 
And uh, well, tell us a little bit about Ramez Nam and what people can expect from this this short conversation we had. I mean, it was really, really awesome to get Ramez. He's a dear, dear friend. And, and, uh, and, and you know, just, just chat to him about these different issues and about what he spoke about at the summit last year and what he's going to be speaking about the summit this year in October was really incredible. I mean, Ramez is a, is a computer scientist. He's a futurist. He's an investor, an award-winning author. I mean, his books, the Nexus series, are, are rated in the top 100 by Goodreads of all time. Sorry, though, didn't his talk uh, actually trend on Reddit? His his talk from last year trended on Reddit. It got you know over two hundred fifty thousand views in in a few hours. It was incredible. And we'd like to think as well that we may have influenced uh, a couple of people in in powerful positions to rethink where to invest there. He uh, definitely he definitely made a big impact uh, with his talk on energy and where he sees energy going in the future. And we're really excited to see how it's going to have evolved over over the, the year. And you know he's 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 even worked at Microsoft Ramez to, and he's climbed mountains. <laughs> nice. Well, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's cut to that audio. Let's go to Thailand. Let's go back to Thailand. Brilliant. So here we are in, uh, reporting live from Thailand with our Singularity South Africa Summit podcast series. And we're so excited to be sitting here with Ramez Nam from uh, Singularity U uh, Global Faculty on, on Energy and Innovation. Ramez, thanks for, for being here. Mick, it is delightful to see you again. And uh, thanks for making time. No, thank you. And I mean, I wanted to just start off with a a brief introduction. If you could just tell us about a little story about yourself and, you know, what what gets you ticking, what gets you waking up every every day and and going on this exponential journey. Yeah, well, I'm one of these people who doesn't know what they're going to do when they grow up. I might just never grow up. But I'm I'm pumped. I'm excited about what's happening in technology. I'm excited about, uh, in my particular sector of energy, how the price of solar is plunging, how the price of batteries are plunging. I'm excited about how technology is uh, being democratized, how it's plunging in cost, and we have billions of people with supercomputers in their pockets connected to all of humanity's knowledge. So that, anytime I'm feeling blue, like that's the sort of thing that gets me excited. So just so tell us more. I mean, you're a best-selling author. You, 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 you've written these incredible science fiction novels, The Infinite Resource. Um, you know, just tell us a bit more about your background. Yeah, so I, I've had a winding path, and it's probably still winding. I'm a, an immigrant to the U.S. I was actually born on the African continent, born in Egypt, came to the States at age three, got a degree in computer science, worked at Microsoft for several years, uh, quit twice, ran a startup, wrote a book, quit the second time I quit, uh, wrote a book about environment, infinite resource. I wanted to write about the question of could we continue economic growth on planet Earth and bring billions out of poverty and to really a top 1% quality of life, while at the same time reversing climate change and environmental destruction. Um, and that was that sort of led me into the work that I do now. And along the way, I also wrote some science fiction novels that have little to do with any of that. Uh, but it's just been an amazing life where I've, I've had the, the bad sense to try things that shouldn't work and the good fortune that they did work. Now, I mean, some of your no- your science fiction novels are rated as the top top fifty science fiction novels of all time to read. But well, Goodreads, or maybe in like one particular place, they're not really among the greats. But but I like them, and and people who work in tech and so on like them a lot. Awesome, and uh, you know, you touched on a good point about these mega misconceptions that are going around the world that that people actually don't understand that the world is getting better. That's absolutely right. And, and what is that? Is that because of the media? That's because the press tell us these, these, these negative news stories to just 
get our attention when it's actually not what's really happening in the world? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, negativity, fear, catches our attention more than hope. And there's an economic incentive for media channels, whether they're video, you know, television, cable TV, or internet, to capture our attention. Clicks sell copy, right? So a story that says... Um, highway deaths are down 3% from last year and down by half since 1970. He's like, that's nice. Doesn't get a lot of clicks. A story that says, oh my gosh, this terrible thing happened or might happen gets lots of clicks. So there's this incentive for the media because of the business models we have to keep pumping out these stories that stoke outrage or fear. Um, and that's not new. Throughout the crime in the U.S., violent crime in the U.S. peaked in 1970. And yet, if you asked Americans, and they did, Pew did uh, surveys of Americans for decades after that, and asked Americans, is crime going up or going down? Crime went continually down from about 1970 to 2000. It's kind of plateaued in the last decade, let's say. Uh, but over that time, every year, large majorities of Americans thought crime was going up. So it's nothing new. It's always been the case that the messages that we uh, hear most vividly and most often are messages of fear, even as for at least 200 years, more or less, the world most decades has gotten substantially better. I mean, that's really an interesting thought to think about. It's actually, we're being fed a negative mindset. And, and, and I think the work that we're doing here and what Singularity University does is it actually changes that negative mindset to, to look above these the trees and see what's really happening and how I, the world is becoming abundant. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think why it works for Singularity is it's about action as well. Something that I've learned, I know I do a lot of posting on social media and so on about, hey, the world is getting better. And that doesn't really resonate. It resonates with some people, not broadly. But when you combine that with, and here's an opportunity, here's an action you can take to improve your life, to improve your country, to uh, make more money in business, then people are like, oh, okay, that's useful to me. I want to engage with that in some way. And that's what I think is great about singularities. We don't just talk about the world getting better. We bring it back to how does it impact you? How do you utilize it in, in your nation, in your business? And I mean, how, how did you actually get involved with Singularity University? Uh, so I've, I met Ray Kurzweil a long time ago, probably in the late 1990s or the early 2000s. I went to some nanotechnology conferences uh, Ray took a look at my very first book that came out in, I don't know, 2001, 2002. So I was lucky enough to get invited to the sort of the first meeting where Ray Kurzweil and Peter Diamandis pitched the idea of Singularity University to a bunch of us. Uh, my advice was, it's great, just don't call it Singularity, whatever you do. So you can see how good my <laughs> advice is. Um, I thought the word Singularity sounded a little bit weird. And I thought you could talk about it as uh, something that captured the essence of rapidly improving tech without having this sort of almost cultish word. But what's happened, as happens with any good brand, is the activities made the brand, right? Google started off as a word that meant nothing, but because Google stood for amazingly fast, clean, accurate search results, that made the word Google mean what it does. It's like the context follows the content. That's right. So the association with the word singularity, there's still association with some bigger concepts of divide by zero and computers going sentient and, and so on. That's not really what Singularity University focuses on. But now around the world, I think the, the, when you hear singularity, you're most often to hear it 
in the context of singular university. So we've sort of sort of changed uh, what that association is. Incredible. So, so you've been along the journey from for right from the beginning. Almost. I, the, the first year, this is some seminal things happened that I was not part of. And I mean, uh, how's the growth? I mean, it's, and you've obviously seen this massive exponential growth of, of Singularity University and of the impact it's created around the world. That's right. I mean, we started off as the, the first year, it was 40 students at NASA for one summer. And then we started doing more programs at NASA. We expanded that summer program, the GSP, to 80 students. We started doing executive programs, two executive programs a year, three. But we're talking about exponential change. How can singularity be exponential? And so one of the things that's clearly needed to happen is we needed to branch out around the world, uh, working with local partners in each country, like you guys at, at Manmade Media in South Africa, to just scale beyond what any organization that just had people in Silicon Valley uh, could do. Oh, wow. Now, um, I mean, last year, and you, you actually spoke at the uh, first inaugural Singularity U South Africa Summit. It was an incredible. You gave an energy talk on how energy is being disrupted. And I think it was a pivotal time because we were just about, our government wanted to go into nuclear energy. And you came and you, and you spoke to over 1,300 delegates and a lot of them being senior C-level suite executives and decision makers from governments. And, you, and, and we've had feedback that you've actually swayed their decisions to go into a more uh, renewable energy uh, focus. Well, it was great fun. It was an honor to be there. Thanks for bringing me down. And I, I'm glad it had influence. That's music to my ears. And, you know, to be clear, I'm, I have nothing against nuclear. I think nuclear power for countries that don't have a lot of sun or wind can be a great solution. But South Africa is blessed with some of the best sunlight in the world and also around the Cape, both onshore and, and on the water, some of the best winds around the world. So it's just from a pure economic standpoint, in a place like South Africa, uh, going with, with solar and wind can be half or a third the price of nuclear or coal or natural gas. I mean, it's so exciting. It's going to completely change the energy landscape, which is one of the biggest industries in the world, as you said. Four trillion dollars a year spent on energy globally, and it's sort of a bedrock industry. Everything else, transportation, data centers, robotics, manufacturing. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Eating up all the energy. Yeah, well, it all depends on energy. One way or another, every sector does. And what do you think is going to happen when we democratize this energy, when it all becomes abundant and we, we've got enough for everybody? Well, I think Africa stands to benefit more than any other continent on planet Earth, you know, with South Asia and the Indian subcontinent being the other one, um, because Africa has half the people that don't have electricity, and yet Africa is the sunniest continent on Earth. And so more sun means the same solar panel produces more electricity over the year which means it's cheaper. So Africa should have the cheapest energy globally uh, when it's coming from the place of the greatest poverty. And that, to me, is just, it's karma. It's a, it's a great reversal. It's going to be a, one of the biggest upliftings of people around the world ever, I think. And I just saw you just posted something recently about Dubai having the, the cheapest price. Uh... Well, we've had the records come so thick and fast. Um, Dubai and the UAE had the cheapest price for a while. Uh, Chile... Earlier this year in the Atacama Desert, the north of Chile, close to the equator, now has the cheapest price for solar, uh, unsubsidized anywhere on Earth. 
And then in the U.S., we just crushed another record. We just brought down from the cheapest solar, we brought it down by about another 25% uh, just about last week, wow. I think. So things are happening. So it's changing really fast. It's changing really, really fast. And you know what's interesting? In South Africa, there's this, there's this company that started, it's called the Sizware, where they actually created a blockchain utility. So a lot of the schools in South Africa, the, the, the public schools, don't have electricity. So they've created a, a, using a blockchain, you can donate electricity to that school and you can see exactly where your donation goes and how much electricity is given to the school. I mean, that's an incredible use of converging exponential technologies. How do you see this happening more and more with energy? That's just completely awesome. Yeah, I mean, I see energy impacted by and impacting all these other sectors. We use AI and energy as the grid gets more distributed and instead of these baseload monster coal plants, we have spread out solar and wind that are variable. We're using machine learning and AI to predict what's going to be the weather patterns even 10, 15 minutes or hours in advance and balance the grid. We're tying that to batteries and economic signals. There's use of blockchain. I think it's still early in sort of peer-to-peer trading for consumers. We'll see if if that's a good idea, we'll see if we even need blockchain to make that happen, but it, it might be um, helpful. And of course, everything with, uh, we talk about 3D printing and digital manufacturing and next generation factories, those are all going to be electric, uh, not driven by direct combustion of, of fossil fuels, so the cheaper electricity price will drive that forward as well. Wow, and then that's, that also brings in another interesting point, is that some of the bigger players... They're opposing, not, not focused on renewable, they're focused on battery energy, like Elon Musk with his, his battery centers. How's that going to play in the mix of the, the ba- change? Batteries are really the next big thing in renewables. Like basically today, in about half of the world, some combination of solar or wind is the cheapest resource already. It's what we call a base cost. But they're intermittent, right? So you can do some smart things putting solar and wind together because solar is daytime, wind tends to be a little bit more at night, so sun tends to be more in summer, wind more in winter. But you really want to just store massive amounts of energy. And battery prices have dropped by a factor of 25 or 30 since 1990. They've dropped by a factor of more than five since just 2010. Uh, and on the investor call a few weeks ago, Elon Musk gave some numbers. It sounds like battery prices will drop in half again by 2019-2020. So the batteries are still super expensive, actually, but that's getting us down to the point where they're viable for being able to store at least hours. The sun goes down, you still have your air conditioner on, or the appliances on at home, the TV, you have just gotten home. So that first few hours the sun goes down, closing that gap, letting solar still power that through a battery is a key objective and we're we're on the cusp in the next few years of making that economically viable. Awesome and I mean last year what was so great about your talk is that after your talk we put it on YouTube and we put it on and it got it got over two hundred thousand views in one day. That was amazing. It was, was incredible. Yeah. It was like probably one of the most viewed clips we had and, and, and I know the SU I mean it was in one it was in one day. It was a record breaking clip. I think it might be the most viewed singularity university video. We don't quote me on that, but I think that it might be. As far as I know it is. In so terms was, of international summits for sure, yeah. it definitely is. Yeah, so people clearly got excited about that. Yeah, so why did that video get so popular? I don't know for sure, but it made the front page of Reddit twice. And I I think the reason is People want to believe that we can solve climate change. 
um, but they haven't seen a lot of evidence for it. And so that talk, it just it's just a lot of graphs and numbers, to be honest, but it compiles all of these trends, and suddenly people are like, wow, I think we can do that. And it's a surprise to them, and it's hope. It's optimism, not pessimism. Awesome, awesome. And I mean, for the guys coming this year, what, 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 what can they expect? What, can you, what advice can you give them? Well, we're going to talk, we're going to go deeper on energy for those that have seen uh, my talk before. We're going to have maybe a masterclass or a 201. And I'm going to talk about some other stuff. I'm going to talk about uh, exponential innovation. I'm going to talk about how startups operate and how uh, a big company can behave more like a startup or a tech company in Silicon Valley. We have all these things that anyone in Silicon Valley that you talk to just sort of gets, or in San Francisco, which is fail fast, experiment, look for network effects, you tap into the data exhaust, all of this stuff. But it's still sort of a foreign language to large corporates, I think, outside of the West Coast. And just knowing the words doesn't really mean a lot. How do you actually put this into practice? So we're going to be talking about that this year as well. If there's one last tip you can just leave the audience with, what can they do today to start changing their world and start getting embracing exponential thinking? I'll give you just one thing, which is encourage your employees to take bigger risks and reward them when they fail, not just when they succeed, when they take a big risk. Your number one asset in your company, probably, is the brain power of your employees. And if they're just doing what you tell them to do, most of that brain power is going untapped. I mean, that makes complete sense. You're never going to push past, you're never going to break the ceiling. You're just going to go to the ceiling. That's right. You want your company to be collectively smarter than you as the CEO or as the executive. And to make that happen, you've got to tap into their creativity and have some tolerance for the fact that experimentation is going to produce a bunch of failures for those few breakout hits. Awesome. I think it's going to be really exciting. We can't wait to have you back. And um, Mick, thank you. Great. It was a blast last year and a great honor. And I'm looking forward to being back again. Just to end off, I just wanted to say thanks to our partners. Obviously, you know, uh, we've, got a, we've got a bunch of, of, of great, great partners. Standard Bank is our collaboration partner. Deloitte is our global partner. And MTN and SAP, Liberty and HP are our strategic partners. Well, we couldn't do that any of them, so thank you all. So wow, back in the studio with 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 Yuri, that was incredible, huh? That was really amazing. Uh, it takes me right back to sitting in that room with him. Um, I'm really excited that he's coming back. I think he's going to give us uh, another really amazing talk. We're definitely going to bring him back for a second podcast. Okay, well that's us for uh, that's us for now. Um, we've got more awesome conversations coming soon, as Mick told us. For now, if you like this, please share it with your friends, with your colleagues. Listen to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe. And really do whatever it takes to hashtag future-proof Africa share. with us. Yeah, share, share as well. So um, we know who's coming next. Should we tell them? Uh, it's Nathaniel Calhoun. Yeah, Nathaniel, who is the Global Grand Challenges Chair faculty at Singularity University. So we really are honored to have him also on the show. And uh, that'll be coming out soon. So uh, stick around. And as you say, stay exponential and keep smiling. <laughs>